Welcome to The Grind, a church planting podcast by the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, full of practical tips, missional strategies, and personal stories to bring you insights and encouragement on your church planting journey. We're your hosts, Neil Scoggins and Greg Addison, coming to you live from Little Rock. Join us for part two of our discussion with Pastor Ryan Worley of Rooted Church in Northwest Arkansas, how to go from bivocational to full-time. It's up next on The Grind. Um, Was there, and you may or may not be able to answer this piece, but we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago with uh, Bobby Thomas, but legally, do you... Did anything shift for you since you were already, you know, you were part-time and then you went full-time legally? Did that put you in a different bracket? Is that something that you, you guys started to consider? Is that part of the counting the cost, you know, piece? Uh, because a lot of times people go, hey, you know, it, it's this number, now it's this number. But is there any legal ramifications either for the church or tax? And I'm not, I know you're not a tax person, but, you know, just how does that affect uh, how, how did you go into trying to make that decision personally? You feel what I'm saying? I'm fumbling over yeah. my new, I got a new, got a new lips, man. So I'm trying to work with these. <laughs> now, that's a good question. And, uh, I don't think it's important for planters to understand. Uh, I mean, if you're a Bible guy, um, you likely already understand, uh, the implications of, you know, the, the various, you know, ministerial tax laws of which they're very complicated. Um, and that only gets more complicated when you go full time, because a lot of times as a Bible guy, the majority of whatever support you get from the church is able to be counted as a housing allowance, um, which is much easier from a from an income tax and accounting perspective to manage and, and think through. Um, but the second you go full time, um, you know, you kind of you enter into a, a different layer of, of tax liability. You know, as you know, for ministerial tax, you're considered as self employed in some capacities, and so that brings with it additional tax liabilities where, um, you know, there, there's lots of great resources out there, but it's something for a Bible guy to at least have your eyes um, on that, uh, you know, you need to be more aware of tax issues, you need to get some good counseling from a CPA or, you know, somebody knows a lot about that and how to structure that because um, you will, you will incur greater, greater tax liability uh, because of that. There's certainly ways to work through it and account for it, but um, there are things like that to be aware of for sure. And the cool part is uh, we've got resources here at the Arkansas Baptist yes. State Convention that uh, which and, and uh, you know, let me kind of tie this together. Everything that you're laying out saying, hey, you know, consult a resource, consult a resource. Let me give you two resources. One was the previous two podcasts yep. that we talked about with Bobby Thomas. Ryan, you're dead on it because he kind of laid out some of those things. Uh, and then the other thing, you know, those two podcasts and then after those podcasts, just call Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, know. that's what we do. really what we do. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to hear you describe that as you're working through that. I'm thinking as a, as a pastor, um, when we were pastoring, that's not that decision. Uh, when you put it in a ministry context, does this move to a full-time pastor enhance the ministry mm. focus and resources or not? That is, that's a part of that trigger that's really not that different than as a pastor um at a church i'm evaluating when to add a new staff guy because that's the same decision and it's those similar set of factors 
Uh, it's a set of factors like if I'm going to add a staff guy, a couple of things have to happen from a ministry standpoint. I either have to have a new area of ministry that we that we can dig into that's a part of our vision that we advance baptizing more people or whatever, or our church has grown to the point that if the uh, part of the role of a pastor in Acts 4 is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, and I got too many people sitting around that can't be equipped that could be doing ministry that advance the church. I, I need this set of hands to unleash yeah. the church you know that's a that would be a decision and then it has to be sustainable and fair to them as a family sustainable so it's really I, I, that context i think may help a lot of guys that that's really what we're looking at right that's that's what you've described yep that's yeah, great and, it's, and it's shepherding your congregation on all of those fronts and making sure that you know your your leaders that are with you whatever leadership structure you have whether you know, you're with a team of elders, you have deacons, um, you know, you have some sort of church council, whatever that looks like, um, that you're helping shepherd through that decision so that it's not just, oh, well, it looks like we can afford this in the budget, so why not just do it? Um, I think thinking about it that way, I mean, certainly there's a financial component, but having a much bigger uh, perspective, I think is important and being able to tie it to your vision, I think is critical. Because uh, I mean, really, what, what, what decision would we make as a church in any capacity if we're not saying the reason we're making this decision is because it's going to advance the vision that God has given us to reach the people in this area. And sometimes that's going to be, hey, we're going to go plant a church because we feel this advances the yeah. vision. We're going to start a new outreach to this people group, or we're going to start a new discipleship class, or we're going to bring our Bible guy full time because we believe and feel led by the Lord that this is going to increase our ability to fulfill the vision that he's given us. And so I think that at the end of it all, as you're, as you're making those decisions, you don't want it just to be, well, I mean, this number is bigger than this number, so it seems like we should just do it. <laughs> um, I think you want to lead your congregation to say, no, anything we do as a church is really going to come back to, man, this is advancing the vision that God has given us. And mm -hmm. in, in this particular context, um, yeah, the, the ability to have a, 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 someone in a staff role in a greater capacity is going to allow us to do that. And here's why. Here's how. Mm. Whether that is because, man, we're going to have so much more availability for um, discipleship and leadership development. We're going to have a greater capacity for, you know, uh, for, for the creation and the, the execution of our vision, for the training up of leaders, whatever it is. Um, I think you're, if you're able to benchmark it to vision, it no longer is just a practical logistical. Um, and it's tied to the vision of your church plan. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. So yeah, you that means you could even, like, there are alternates. So every church is going to get there kind of differently. Um, maybe instead of the pastor going full-time, there's another part-time staff person I could add in a key area yeah, exactly. that is a part of the, maybe it's a student pastor or a children's person if you're in lots of neighborhoods and homes, if that's kind of the thing or uh, wor worship guy or whatever, because any of those roles will alleviate um, if not the to-do list of the pastor, it certainly will alleviate the burdens and the difficulty of, oh my goodness, is that going to happen this Sunday? Because now there's more of investment to make yeah. it happen. Which, So the balance of all those, if you're in the vision, yeah. helps you continue the vision forward and does create different release points that you're not grinding the pastor down into the ground through this growing right. church process. Is that Yep. I think that's good because, you know, a lot of, 
a lot of members of a church plant, some have been a part of a church plant before, some have not. Some are coming from contexts where they're coming from a church that has four, five, six, 18 paid staff. So they're used to that kind of environment. And they're also used to probably being distant from having responsibility of caring for their pastor directly, because that was probably more like, mm. you know, the team of deacons would do that or the elder team would do that or as a staff team that would do that. But in the church plant, I mean, it's small and it's personal enough that you as a church plant member um, actually have a responsibility and even an opportunity to say, Hey, planter, like, are we doing a good job caring for you? Like, are we taking care of your family? Are we expecting the right things from you? Yeah. Um, and when I started to get conversations like that, um, it was actually really encouraging to me when my own members were saying, Hey, how are you doing? Really? Like, how's the work stuff going? Is this, is it, are you juggling everything? Okay. With, you know, with everything that, you know, is going on at rooted, is that okay with you? And, um, how is that affecting your family? And, and even some of them were, I mean, I'll, I'll share this story. It's kind of a, an interesting one. You know, we had, um, maybe about nine months before I went full time. Um, we were having a, a members meeting and, uh, and I was informed that a collection of our members had been circulating a letter that they were, that they were all signing off on that they wanted to present at the members meeting. Now, if you're a pastor in any sort of role and you've ever had members meetings, you know the idea of like letters and stuff presented at meetings. Yeah, those are really comfortable, aren't they? Yeah, that's not what you want, dude. I'm going to get the resume ready. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but I was assured it was a very good thing. And it turns out that, you know, I actually I have a letter here on my desk. I, I keep it. But um, there was like over a dozen families um, that all basically said, hey, look, you know, we love Pastor Ryan and his family. Um, they've been faithful, and we as families want to personally commit to basically do whatever it takes in order for us to move forward with bringing him on full time. Wow. You know, and they all signed it and read it at the meeting and said, "Hey, like, we're all for this as members of this church, and um, want to get behind that and whatever that looks like." And uh, were you scared when you saw that? Were you? I mean, what was the first thing that came to your mind? You know, Neil, honestly, I, I was just overwhelmed with gratitude because, um, you know, it's one thing to have people ask you questions. It's another thing when people kind of sign on the line and they say, do something. We, want, we want to help make this possible. Yeah. And, um, and, and even for them to express that to the other elders to say like, we, we believe in this. And, wow. uh, and so that, that was a good, that was good for me. Cause it wasn't just like, well, we could kind of get the membership to go along with it. Like, Hey, Ryan's going full time. And you know, well, no one really complained. So I guess that was okay. Versus like our members were actually asking, like they were requesting and said, Hey, you know, we think this is good for pastor Ryan. Let's as a whole body get behind this. And, um, and so that felt, I mean, for me, I mean, an excellent confirmation of, okay, we're headed in the right direction, obviously. And the time is obviously getting very close because God is not only made it something acceptable to our congregation, he's made it something that they're in fact very ready to affirm and um, advocate for. Uh, and so yeah. it, it, it was comforting to me of knowing, okay, like um, I'm stepping into waters as in a, as a, in a full-time capacity where my people um, are, are ready to get behind me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, 
because I, I did not hate my job at the hospital. I love my job at the hospital. So talk, so I want you to talk about because we've talked about everything. We've talked about, you know, the you know, going in with a plan, with a conversation up front. Hey, you know, th- this is it's no secret. This is Bible as a season. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if people want to be Bible forever, there's nothing wrong with that either, regardless of what model you go in. But whatever you want to do, you think about that. Talk about that up front. You talked about that. Talked about the benchmarks, what's going to advance the vision of the church. You talk about family, getting that approval from family. But you said something earlier before we started recording is that you 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 led well at church, but you left well the job. He talked about the process of leaving the job. Talk about that a little bit of how you, so you just gave two weeks notice and said, look at here, I'm, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually it was, it was very involved. Um, you know, my employers were great. Um, they were super flexible, very willing to communicate and just talk through it. Um, I worked there for five years and, uh, you know, I I was just a couple years in when I started vocalized to them, like, we know, things at church are, are growing and advancing. And, um, and that's when I started to request, you know, the ability to, to cut back a few hours at the hospital and increase a few hours, um, you know, for the church. And, uh, and they were very gracious to do so. I mean, the type of position I had afforded that type of flexibility. Um, I know not everybody can, can be in that role, which I understand I was in a unique position there. And, um, and so, you know, I had, I had some conversations like that years before, uh, and which is very honest with them. You know, I never tried to, to be deceptive or um, hide my intentions. You know, I was, I was honest about my needs. Here's what I need. And they were gracious enough to uh, work within those. Um, and so when I knew, when, 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 one commitment I made to them is like, when I know that I am leaving with certainty, I will tell you, even if that's months away from now. Um, and so I made good on that promise. And I think I gave, I mean, at least four, five months notice um, because I wanted them to be able to find my replacement. You know, I was in a leadership role. I had a staff that reported me. Um, and I wanted to be able to, you know, maintain and, and really, you know, hold together all those great relationships I had built, even on my way out the door. Um, so it wasn't just a, well, hey, I got something better I've been waiting for. Goodbye, guys. Um, but also, you know, I had really felt like God had given me that job um, as a ministry. You know, it wasn't just a means to an end. Um, great ministry happened through that job. And so I wanted to finish that season well too. And I had had a couple big projects that I wanted to make sure were in good hands and tied up well so that I could really walk out of there. Um, like we would want any of our church members to walk out of there, of their jobs, you know, Uh, to leave on good, good standing, good terms. And so that hopefully even in my leaving, I'm modeling that well for my people that, uh, this is how you leave a job and you leave a job well. And, uh, cause yeah, like I said, I, I just, all of that was important for the transition was a, a good, a good conclusion here leading to a, a good beginning over here. Um, and I don't think sure we think I, about that a lot. I, I think we, you know, we think about, I don't know, maybe we're just selfish when we go by vote to full time. We initially say, Hey, it's about me, but all those points, uh, I believe that. So you've been full time for how long? Um, well, a little over a year. I went full time uh, Easter of 2019, so just a little over a year. Wow, wow. So, what were the details that you had to check the boxes? And now I'm full time. Yep. Um, so, so the, the factors I was that I had to account for: 
Number one is uh, the timing at my, at my current employer. I'm in a season when I can do this and leave well and feel like I can leave reconciled and fully connected. So that's a box I want to check. I knew I could do that. Conversations with the employer, I knew I, I was in good footing there. Uh, number two, um, with my family, is my wife on board for what this transition is going to mean um, for her, for the kids, and what that's going to look like? And does she fully support it in every way, shape, or form? Huge box to check. Number three um, is my leadership and my membership at church fully supportive of this transition. Uh, next, from a logistical financial, do we have the budget, sustainability, and availability to make this work in a reasonable way? Because I am leaving a stable job, you know, or at least part of my stable stable salary to, to jump onto this. So I want to make sure that that's good. Not that you can eliminate every variable. I mean, it's... We, we work in a, in a profession of faith, right? So, I mean, there, there's, there's risk and there's faith and all of this. Um, and then it's, then you just have to go through, okay, then you get to the next layer of nitty gritties. I mean, where you're, you know, you're working with payroll company, you're working with your tax people, you're figuring out insurance, um, you know, you're, you're, you're working through all of those logistical things like you would in any other employment capacity because many times that's changing now. Okay, well, if you were part-time somewhere, did you have insurance through that job? that you may not now have through the church. Um, that can be a big factor for a lot of guys that are going yeah. from a Bible to a full-time capacity. You know, your employer might be able to provide you benefits at this rate. Your church won't be able to. Um, that's going to be something you're going to have to go figure out. So what's your, what's your insurance picture going to look like? How are you going to provide that for your family and, and what that's going to do? Um, so th those are some of the logistical boxes that we just had to really check through to make sure, okay, we have everything aligned in a row, um, you know, and then, you know, just for your own internal governance practices, you know, in accordance with bylaws and make sure that you have followed all your processes for, um, you know, either adding an employee or making those sorts of decisions, having those recorded properly in your church notes and minutes and funding um, the sour, new salary level in the budget and all those kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Approving your new budgets. Um, yeah, there's just a lot you want to make sure is in place before before you make that that leap. Like I said, it's a lot more than just, well, last month our giving was this. Here's what we need to make you full-time. So then let's just make you full-time. It's like, well, pump the brakes a little, work through a little bit of a process to make sure that's good for everybody. Um, and, uh, you know, just because, you know, this is a good principle for us all life. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, wow. It, the... the the possibility does not demand the, the follow through that you must do it. Um, so don't just, well, it's possible. Okay. Well, there's lots of things that are possible. Um, that doesn't mean you do it. Yeah. You know? Okay. So let's think through and be compelled by here's a vision Scott has given us and by the leadership of the spirit that we feel convinced that this is the right thing to do for us right here and now. Yeah. Um, like I said, you can't, you can't buy into the lie or the perspective that, well, he's going to go full time. Our church is going to grow by 125% dramatically. Everything's going to be okay. The pastor's not going to be tired or stressed out anymore. Like everything's going to be fine when he goes full time. I would say to every one of those things, if you believe that it's going to happen when you go full time, you need to not go full time yet. Yeah. Until you yeah. That those are not all true. Yeah. You know, your church is not going to magically grow because you now have 40 hours a week to give to it. That's, I, it's just, there, there's no, I would not walk into it banking on that. Yeah. And your budget is not going to magically grow just because you're not able to have 40 hours a week. 
Um, it might increase. Um, and, you know, and certainly I think over time, data would tell us that there, there is some validity to that, but that might be over, you know, a decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so make sure you're, you're accounting properly for that and also not overestimating. And I say this gently, but not overestimating your worth and value to the church. Mm. Um, I am not the end all be all to what my congregation needs. Um, I am, I am a, a resource and a servant and, you know, someone that God has put in a position. Um, but they don't, they don't only need just more of me. Like that's not the the thing that they're missing in their life. Well, they just need more Ryan. Um, (laughs) they need, they need lots, lots beyond that. Um, so just getting more of me in this scenario doesn't equal everything is going to be excellent all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah, That's a, there's a great wisdom in that. And that goes back to that whole, is it, ministry related there you go that's it you know and if i yeah if i'm self-aware enough i can realize well we're going to grow more by a children's thing or better worship or some other kind of thing or do i need to be there to turn more cranks to disciple more of the lay people to get involved and and that when we grow through that it's the it's it grows because of the ministry not because of or a positive us. view in the community, because a lot of times you're not able to participate in some stuff because, like you said, either yeah, you're not yeah, yeah. able to, you know, disciple people or you can't be there. Don't, you know, that church has, has a lot of folks, but the pastor never comes. Well, shoot, yeah. he, he's the yeah. mailman. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah. no, that's yeah. great. <laughs> so here's yeah. what you talked about. It's kind of moving towards the end here. I, I love the beginning and I made a note to come back to this. Uh, you talked about at the beginning the advantages that your particular drop job and your in your context brought to the planting of the church. Okay, now so you're a little over a year in and you don't have that position. Your minister, the nature of your ministry has changed. Uh, that was an advantage then. You don't have it now. How does it? How does it feel uh, on the back side of the yeah. transition with enough time to sort of? get your arms around what happened to you when you that's transitioned. That's a good question. That's, yeah, that's a good question, Greg. Uh, yeah, there are days I honestly miss uh, working in a community like that. Um, some of it's because, you know, my job, even though it was, you know, pretty complicated that I had the hospital, uh, man, there, there were a lot more measurable, concrete things in what I did um, in terms of, like, at the end of the day, I could have a dashboard of, okay, here's the numbers I was aiming to hit. Did we hit the numbers? We hit the numbers. Good. Um, and there was comfort in that, you know, uh, I, I miss that. Uh, and, uh, man, just the exposure you have to many different things in the community, different coworkers, um, all that is something I miss. Uh, so one thing I'll say is, you know, a year removed, um, I, I reflect back on the time with great thankfulness because now I can continue to, to build on the relationships that I did have. And I think, man, if I did not have those relationships already in place, it would make so much more of the things I do harder, um, hmm. especially when it comes to community involvement, um, when it comes to like, oh, we need to get in touch with the nonprofit. Well, the reason I know who is a director of the nonprofit, or who works at a nonprofit now is because I knew them back then. Um, I knew them back then. Um, and so that's allowed me to kind of continue to build on the relationship now. So. Um, I certainly miss it, and uh, yeah, it's one thing I try and I try and maintain those networks and and communities as much as I can because it's valuable and it's easy. It's so easy as a pastor to get insulated 
Um, and really the only people you're interacting with is your church members and other pastors. And yeah. you miss, you miss being in the community, getting the pulse of the city and getting the pulse of like just the voice of what's going on. And that's important to, to even, even if you know, you're, you're full time, you have to find ways to hear the voice, not just of your church members, but to hear the voice of your community and what's yeah. its name, like what's it's expressing, what are the needs? Um, it, it'll help you be a more effective pastor in the long run. And you know what's wild is that the the playing field has been evened uh, after <laughs> after COVID. So you go, yeah. you know, you go full time, and then there's COVID. So I don't know if that's a that's a good sign or a bad sign, there, Ryan. So we're going. Look what I did. So this is your fault. That's right. That's right. I'll be sending you one of my masks in the mail. So Ryan, listen, I appreciate you, man, for taking the time. For uh, the, glad we got the schedules and stuff worked out for you to kind of hang out and be with us. Uh, Again, it's not just about just getting the money together, but it's about laying out that long-term strategic plan. Like Greg said, does it enhance the ministry? Will more people go to heaven than are going to hell? Uh, will the church fulfill its vision? Ryan Worley from Rooted Church in Northwest Arkansas. Thank you so much. When you see Randy Rambo, tell him I said, hey, I don't know if he remembers me or not. Tell him I was the shorter black guy on the other side of the table when we were eating there in Northwest Arkansas. Pastor Ryan, thank you, brother. Hey, you guys are so welcome. And, you know, just uh, one last little parting shot to all you Bible guys out there. Um, you know, you guys that are feeling tired, worn out, and weary, uh, man, you can give me a call anytime. Happy to hear you, listen to you. I know you got good friends at the convention that are there for you to champion you and support you. You're not alone. Um, and the ministry you're doing is so, so important. Don't give up. And, uh, for whatever season, whether it's for two years of Bible or, or God has you there for an, a, a lifetime of ministry, know that it's significant and valuable. And uh, guys like me, uh, Neil and Greg and many others see it um, reflect on with great value. We appreciate you guys. Man, Amen. awesome word. Awesome word. Thanks you for thank you so much for joining us here on The Grind. Uh, make sure you uh, check us out. If you have any questions, you can email us at thegrind at absc.org. Another episode of The Grind. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Grind. We hope you learned something new and found some encouragement along the way. To learn more about church planting in Arkansas and to find more resources, visit absc.org and click the church planting tab. Be sure to rate and review us if you like what you heard. Until next time, keep grinding.